The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from on KLUP 930 AM radio in San Antonio. Thank you for being with us today, my friends. we got a great show as usual for you. We've got uh, three great guests, and uh, we're going to provide you also some uh, brief news. But let me uh, tell you who we've got uh, today as guests. First of all, we've got Dr. Jeffrey Atticott, uh from uh, St. Mary's University here in San Antonio, who is a fantastic premier expert on uh, terrorism. And uh, I called him because I wanted him to, to uh, talk to us about this situation last week where uh, we had a, uh, a terrorist attack on the Corpus Christi Naval Base. Yes, it was a terrorist attack. It was a it was a man uh, who has become a jihadist. Uh, but he's also a, uh, uh, a, a person who uh, immigrated to the United States. He came in under an asylum program, or the family came in as a resettlement under an asylum program. And, uh, you know, this is something, my friends, that we've got to be careful. Again, when we talk about securing the border, when we talk about securing, uh, uh, tightening up uh, these loopholes in immigration, this is what we're talking about, my friends. We have so many loopholes in immigration that uh, it becomes very, very easily for somebody to be resettled without proper vetting. And that's what happened here, without proper vetting. So uh, we've got Dr. Jeffrey Atticott. We also have Don Page, who is the uh, Republican uh, chairman, uh, Republican Party chairman for Gonzales County. And um, Don is facing local tyranny. Yes, that's what I call it, local tyranny. Just as we are seeing uh, statewide tyranny uh, in many, many places, uh, these uh, elected officials, governors, uh, mayors, uh, county officials who are taking upon themselves uh, of getting rid of limiting the rights uh, of people, particularly of business folks, uh, you've got the same situation happening in Gonzales County. And uh, in that aspect of it, the, uh, you know, the, the mayor of the, in, in that community is uh, limiting, limiting uh, what uh, the, the business people can do. Uh, he is she is strangling the tourist industry. And uh, Don Page, who runs a, uh, uh, a, a uh, hotel there in Gonzales, uh, is suffering tremendously. And Gonzales is a very, very uh, interesting little community. It's a, it's a, it's a tourist hub between San Antonio and uh, and Houston, because that is where uh, uh, Texas history that is that is one of the birthplaces of Texas history. Uh, that's where the the Gonzales flag, the uh, come and take it flag, began. Uh, or, or was uh, initiated. So uh, we're going to chat with him because, um, I mean, we've got these local dictators that are absolutely strangling uh, the economy and t- and limiting the rights of people. Um, we also have, uh, uh, speaking of limiting the rights of people, uh, our final guest is going to be um, Sheriff Adam Fortney from Snohomish, uh, Snohomish County, Washington. And... Um, Adam, uh, Sheriff Adam uh, Fortney, uh, is uh, is in hot water with the governor of uh, of Washington State, as well as uh, some of the uh, county residents, uh, because he has uh, stated, like other uh, sheriffs around the country, he has stated that he's not going to enforce laws that uh, limit the Constitution, that limit the First Amendment rights, that limit the constitutional rights of, of uh, citizens, the, um, you know, the uh, mayor, the, the, the liberal Democrat uh, governor of uh, Washington, of the state of Washington, is uh, really, really pressing hard for people to stay home, uh, for people to wear masks. I mean, all sorts of things. And uh, the, the uh, sheriff, uh, Fortney, has just flat said he's not going to arrest people 
just because they leave home. He is just, he's not going to do that. Uh, this is, this is the insanity of, uh, of the time that we live in right now. They are busy releasing, uh, prisoners. They're busy demanding the release of illegal aliens from detention centers. These Democrats are busy demanding these things while at the same time they are restricting the liberties and freedoms, the First Amendment liberties and freedoms of American citizens. Where is the irony on that, my friends? Where is I, 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 it is incredible. It is incredible. You know, and they they criticize the president consistently for uh, standing up for, for, for the freedom that it's dangerous, that he's endangering people. Well, my friends, the only thing that's being endangered at this point are my freedoms. That's what we, we need to tell politicians. The only thing that's endangered at this point are my First Amendment freedoms and the Constitution of the United States. I mean, some of these characters have gone so far as to even say that the Second Amendment must be limited. I mean, you know, uh, what does the Second Amendment, what, was, uh, what does that have to do, the, the right to bear arms, what does that have to do? With the with with the covid virus, what the heck does that are you going to lick the gun? Is that it? I'm not sure. I mean, is the gun going to sneeze on you? So, uh, you know, these local dictators have really gone nuts. Okay, let me uh, give you some um, some news uh, real quick. And uh, before we go to our first guest, uh, first of all, uh, the Border Patrol agents in Laredo, Texas, the Border Patrol rescued an illegal alien woman and some kids who were lost out in the South Texas desert near Laredo. Now, the local news uh, is not going to report that, of course, because, uh, you know, the only thing they report are the negative things about how uh, the Border Patrol is compared to Nazis. Well, here you have the Border Patrol saving a woman and some kids, and uh, I guarantee that the, that, that the national uh, media is not going to, uh, is, is going to ignore that one, you know. Uh, it's going to ignore that completely. Uh, Also, as I mentioned, um, this terrorist attack that happened in Corpus Christi, uh, the the, uh, FBI has declared it a terrorist incident, and uh, the the person that was involved is a Syrian-born jihadist, because that's what he is now. He's Syrian-born. He was killed uh, in the incident, Uh, but uh, he was... um, he was neither a resettled refugee nor an asylum seeker, but he slipped through a different program and he was not vetted. He wasn't a resettled refugee and he wasn't an asylum seeker. In fact, he is he came in with a family with a family. He entered through another one of the many loopholes in America's complicated uh, immigration system. And, uh, I, you know, the thing that we need to do, my friends, we need to simplify it. We need to simplify it. And along, that, that needs to be done along with securing the border and punishing illegal immigration. By punishing, I mean, we've got to, I mean, we've got to start deporting illegal aliens. Illegal aliens should not have uh, citizen rights. They shouldn't. They should not be protected under the Constitution. Uh, Americans are in danger, my friends, of these criminal aliens. But they're also uh, in danger of sick undesirable immigrants and terrorists. Speaking of terrorism, the Mexican cartels, my friends, in uh, just across the border here, the Mexican cartels uh, have uh, started providing humanitarian service uh, to the local uh, communities where they, uh, where they dominate the, the, the communities that they control. They're providing humans, humanitarian services. This is dangerous, my friends, because it is it has now become a shadow government uh, that that exists in Mexico. And uh, the Mexican president has already admitted that he, you know, uh, he pulled back the uh, the police and the and and the military when they were going to try to arrest El Chapo Guzman's son uh, uh, back last year, late last year. He pulled them back because um, he didn't want a confrontation. Oh, my gosh. Then he turns around and he says, well, uh, they can't uh, provide services, humanitarian services to many of their population. So at this point, my friends, he is allowing these cartels literally to flourish. That's what he's doing. Speaking of that, in California, they have announced that the state is going to provide assistance to illegal aliens. 
They're going to excuse and reward illegal immigration. Now, get, this is what's very, very annoying, very upsetting with this whole situation because California, California is resisting immigration, enforcing immigration law. However, they go out of their way to limit First Amendment rights in the name of the COVID pandemic. Yes, they do. This is this is the insanity. The city of uh, here in Texas, the city of El Paso, which is another Democrat dominated uh, municipality, uh, they're doing the same thing. They're going to be providing they're going to be providing uh, uh, assistance to uh, illegal aliens. And again, all they're going to do, you know, is undermine federal immigration law and reward illegal immigration. That's what they're going to do. I mean, I've got to ask you, my friends, when do you think it's going to be safe? enough for the Democrats to let us be free again. When do you think it's ever going to be safe enough? Do you think that's ever going to happen? These liberal judges uh, who uh, uh, won't let us use the term the Chinese virus, and they're using that. They're using the Chinese virus to suspend the Bill of Rights. Yeah. I mean, you know, and we're supposed to stay home and shut up and keep the economy closed. This is this is the insanity. Uh, we're, we're also supposed, I mean, here in, here in Texas, thank heaven, the Su- Texas Supreme Court has blocked uh, the uh, allowance of uh, mail-in ballots, at least for the, for the time being. Again, the Democrats are using COVID as an excuse for this uh, mail-in, for this mail-in ballot uh, voting, mail-in voting, that uh, it, it's guaranteed, my friends, to be fraught with fraud. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. So anyway, my friends, I um, want to cl- conclude real quick uh, with, uh, uh, again, t- letting you know that uh, uh, we've got uh, three great guests with us today. I hope that you will call your friends and tell them to join us. Uh, we, um, we really, really want to uh, provide as much information to you. Uh, the president uh, has uh, said that the mass media, that the, uh, uh, that the uh, media... Organizations, uh, particularly the uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook and others, these social media folks, uh, they aren't fair to us. So uh, you've got to have something other than that to provide you information, and that's why El Conservador exists. My friends, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio. We'll be right back with our first guest. Thank you for being with us. El Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And uh, we've been uh, talking a lot uh, on our show regarding the issue of uh, how uh, a lot of local dictators, and we will call them that, a lot of local dictators are trying to prevent uh, the uh, opening of the economy as well as the prevention of uh, basic First Amendment rights. Uh, we've seen it on a, on a, on a, on a uh, state level uh, in many states, many of the blue states, and we certainly are seeing it on a local level here in San Antonio, for example, uh, in uh, Austin. But in the even smaller communities, and we're going to talk to uh, Mr. Don Page. Don is a good friend of mine, and he is also the uh, Republican uh, County Chairman in um, Gonzales County. And uh, he is facing some uh, problems in uh, with his personal business, as well as watching the uh, the economy in his community uh, get hit by the local uh, 
uh, dictator, in this case, uh, apparently it's the mayor. Don, welcome to the show. Tell us, talk to us about what's happening uh, to your business and to your community. Thank you. First off, thank you for having me on the show. Um, you know, Gonzalez, for those that are Texas historians, should know this is where the first shot for Texas independence started. You know, the Mexican armies tried to take our cannon away from us, and we fought back, and the cannon still sits in our museum. However, um, part of the, what's been happening here in our economy, our economy strives for two things. One is oil-filled work, and two is uh, historical tourism. Uh, Governor Abbott opened up public libraries and museums and parks. Our city mayor has chosen not to allow the libraries nor the museums to be open and of use to people that want to come in and visit. Um, I personally here have lost over $30,000 in revenue when it comes to hotel stays where people have canceled because they're coming to Gonzales to see the history, and the history is locked up, where, you know, 120 dragoons couldn't take the cannon away from us. Our mayor and city council have done so by local ordinance. And so our our city museum stays shut down and locked down. The cannon remains behind bars. And uh, Texas patriots who want to go and visit it are not allowed right now. And what, I mean, what is their, what are they saying? What What is their excuse uh, or justification for uh, not uh, opening up the economy, not letting these businesses? Yeah, the justification for it is that there's been a spike in the number of confirmed cases. The reality is they had, up until just a few weeks back, they had not been doing any open testing. The, the reality is when, that, when, that, when uh, COVID-19 first hit, we had six confirmed cases and we had one mortality. What they didn't tell us is that the person who had died was 97 years of age who got COVID. They just said there was one mortality. My goodness. The investigation, we found out the guy was 97 years old. Um, the set, then it was 11 confirmed cases and two fatalities, where the second person, of course, um, was 78 years of age and had other ailments on top of that, that he was in hospice. So it wasn't COVID that got him. It was, a you know, just being of a, of a high-risk age. And had we had COVID-19 or not, that wouldn't have been the, the death of these two people. Not to, not to talk down about you know, people dying, but the reality is their their life on this planet was, was being cut short with or without COVID-19. Now we have 89 cases. And so that is what she's saying is, well, we have all these confirmed cases of COVID and we need to protect and we can't have any more deaths. The reality is there have been no other deaths. In fact, we have over a 45% rate of people who had had the virus that are now 100% over it. Now, has has she shown a uh, propensity, a, a uh, willingness to, uh, to act in this uh, dictatorial of a fashion and other issues? Or is this uh, something that's just materialized now? No, this has been, this has been her modus operandum for a while. Um, you and I have been on the, I've been on your show in the past regarding tax increases. You know, our city suffers, uh, we're double in our taxes where we were actually, we were at 18 and a half cents and now we sit at over 35 cents per, per hundred on property tax in the last three years. We've doubled in three years time. Um, she's also gone as far as everybody on her boards. She has required them to fill out an eth- a code of ethics form, which includes in part of the code of ethics that if you speak against the mayor or any city council member, that you can be removed from the board that you're volunteering on, and that if there's any code of ethic violation being done by anyone, 
we have to submit our grievance to her as the mayor, and she'll decide whether or not that grievance is um, substantiated. Oh, my gosh. So the characteristics, the personality and characteristics are already there. And uh, this... she, is like, she is like Gonzalez's very own Evita. Oh, my gosh. And how long has she been mayor? Um, this will be her second term. Um, she she was mayor, and we there's still um, questions out there regarding voter fraud for her last mayoral election that uh, is still under investigation. Has that investigation has not closed yet? Um, that you know there's there's just so much going on here in Gonzales, which is you know this is the Lexington of Texas, and I think I think even though we're a small town of seven thousand people. In a county of twenty thousand, a magnifying glass needs to get brought into here and have some have some investigative reporting going on of what's happening in our town, because there's you know there's there's that old saying that says you know there's too many coincidences until the probability of it no longer makes sense, and we're kind of at that point. There's you know our our mayor and city council. You know, they go in and make decisions, create ordinances that don't discuss in the meeting. So it, it's like they bring it up. There's a motion, a second, and she goes, any discussion there being none, she doesn't even miss a beat. She goes, any discussion there being none, okay, let's go ahead and vote on it. It's always a 5-0 or an 5 depending on which way they want to go. Wow, wow. And the people don't get hurt, you know. Um, that In fact, they... They just, with this new ordinance, anybody who refused to sign the code of ethics would be removed from the board that they were on. And uh, we had one city councilman, um, Gary Schroeder, he was like, Madam Mayor, we're in the middle of a COVID, let's wait. Right now, we don't have people that, um, people aren't getting a right to talk and discuss, discuss this and to discuss their reason why they don't want to sign this form. We need to wait until we can get back and have an open meeting where people can share and their grievances. And she refused. Amazing. Uh, and so we had one city councilman stand up, but one against four was not enough. And so with that being said, of course, it got shot down. A motion was made and seconded to remove anybody who hadn't signed the code of ethics. However, in that same breath, we have a city manager that by our charter is required to be a resident of the city of Gonzales. He resides in Seguin, Texas, a different county. He's taken homestead exemption on his property at home in Guadalupe County, which means he's claiming to the state that he's a resident. He has an apartment here that he doesn't stay in, that he pays a monthly fee to, that he's claiming as his residence when people ask him why he's not a resident of here. My goodness. One of two things happened. He either lied and, and committed a felony to the, tex, to the Texas, or to the, to the tax appraiser in Guadalupe County by lying on his taxes, or he's lying to the people of Gonzales and breaking the code of ethics. Let, let's... Either way, he shouldn't be there. And, and then one quick other one, I know, I know I'm short on time, but one other one that should be out there is... Tommy Sherg, who is one of our city council members, lied and created fake news saying we had homeless sleeping on the streets in front of businesses in downtown during COVID-19 when it was a pile of rags and rugs. Jeez. Caused a huge scandal, and neither of those things, which I think would be total violations of code of ethics, are being addressed by our mayor. So, uh, in conclusion, uh, what do you think needs to happen, bud? We need to reopen Texas. You know, we need to reopen Gonzales, have our tourists come. I spent this Memorial, this Memorial Day weekend. I'm looking outside. It's a ghost town right now. The customer that we, I saw about five or six people walking our streets that I didn't recognize. So I stopped, I walked over to them and talked to them. They're like, oh, we're visiting from Austin, but nothing's open. Oh, we're visiting from Houston, but nothing's open. So we're going to head back tonight. That's all lost revenue for us. How sad. Lost all opportunity in when Gonzales, which was the Lexington of Texas, the place where Texas independence started, should be 
the place where reopen Texas starts. Yep. We should be we should be teaching the governor and teaching other governors how Texas should operate. That's right. And we've had you know we've had almost a hundred cases of COVID and two deaths. That tells us that it's not any worse than the common flu. That's right. As far as the mortality rate, and we should reopen, do business as usual, practice good sense, and if you're if you're susceptible, stay at home. Okay. Self-quarantine, but don't shut down the entire planet. Get that, back to work before we kill our economy. Yep. Well, we've got to uh, we've got to close out, but we've been talking with uh, De- with Don Page, uh, the party chairman, Republican Party chairman in Gonzales, Texas. Thank you very much, Don, for being with us, and uh, we'll stay on top of it. We'll we'll have you back on to to report what's going on. All right. Thank you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, a special guest with us. Another sheriff that I've reached out to speak with, and this is uh, Sheriff Adam Fortney uh, from Snow. Let me make sure I've got it correct. Snow Snohomish County in Washington, is that correct, uh, Sheriff? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was uh, reaching out to him because we've been uh, like we've been doing. We've been uh, talking with a lot of uh, sheriffs who find themselves in a constitutional bind where they're either they're too busy. Uh, just uh, keeping the peace, uh, or they uh, are being literally asked to uh, enforce uh, laws that uh, just don't seem to to uh, go in sync with the U.S. Constitution, with the First Amendment in particular. So, Sheriff, welcome to the show. My understanding is that um, there's a little bit of uh, of heat on you. Uh, including a recall because uh, some people uh, don't feel that you're doing what they want you to do. Uh, tell us what's going on. What is going on in your in your neck of the woods? Yeah, well, up here in Snohomish County, Washington State, yeah, I feel a little bit of heat, but that happens sometimes when you speak your mind and it's a little bit provocative. But I'm okay with that. So yeah, there's a couple there's a couple groups. Um, one in particular that are. Uh, in our state law allows for a recall petition of any elected official, not just within our own county. And unfortunately, the bar to get that to the signature gathering phase is, is fairly low. So that has happened. And so what's, what's kind of we've had one court hearing so far. The judges allowed it on, on, I think, two counts to move forward. And basically what they're saying is that I got elected in November of last year. I took office January 1st. The pandemic hit late February, early March. And I came out in a, in a pretty, uh, uh, in a vocal way, in a Facebook post, saying, look, the Snohomish County Sheriff's Office is not going to go around arresting people for violating our governor's stay-at-home order. And and I did take on the governor. There's no doubt about it. My, my post had an edge to it, a political edge to it. Um, but my, my policy stance, my position hadn't changed. It actually had been in effect since the third week of March when, when his stay-at-home order came into effect. But what they're saying basically is I took an oath to the Constitution, and when I choose to disregard or not enforce a law, I am not doing my job. Therefore, we are going to recall you. That is the quickest way I can sum up their position. Uh, but let, let, me, let, let, let me play devil's advocate with their position on this, because in many cases we have seen jurisdictions uh, declare themselves uh, sanctuary, and therefore they are not going to cooperate with immigration law uh, with law enforcement on immigration law uh here we we are finding a lot of uh sheriffs and i guarantee you're not the only one we've interviewed uh at least eight on our show sheriffs from across the country that uh find themselves in situations where they are not uh going to enforce uh you know stay-at-home laws or arrest people uh, for not wearing masks or for uh, congregating, they are not there. You know, they the most that they're doing is um, is advising them about uh, the health issue and then leaving it at that. But uh, do, does do these people expect you to uh, pick and choose 
which laws you're going to re- to uh, to uh, enforce? Is this? It? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of that's kind of what they're saying. The interesting part with with uh, with my initial post that kind of got me in, in some hot water is it's completely in line with what our governor wants. Our governor in Washington State has said from day one of this thing he wants voluntary compliance. The only recourse I have as a law enforcement official in Washington State is it's what we call a gross misdemeanor arrest, which means we're either going to lock somebody in my county jail or we're not. That is my enforcement option. So when I came out in my post and said I'm not going to enforce this stay-at-home order, what I was saying is that I am not going to lock up residents in Snohomish County for either being out of their house, uh, congregating at church, or something like that. And yes, I absolutely question the constitutionality of it, and I still do to this day. Um, and I think, you know, now that a few weeks have gone by since that post, we are seeing more and more elected officials, sheriffs and otherwise, mayors um, all over the country coming to pretty much the same conclusion. I was just ahead of the curve a little bit, and so I'm taking some heat for it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, when you lead, uh, you know, you're apt to take the, the, the shot at the very front front when you're leading. Uh, this uh, situation, again, uh, Sheriff, with uh, the constitutionality, I mean, uh, do people understand the role of a sheriff? Um, no, I think it's, uh, no, I don't think they completely understand. And, and I think if, let's just, they're, they're, they're getting on me or screaming at me for not enforcing the law. Like I said, the law is if you violate the stay-at-home order, it's a gross misdemeanor in Washington State, and you can put them in county jail for it. Well, we're doing the same thing not at the sheriff's office but at a county government level. We're letting people out left and right of our jails. The governor let out a 1,000 prisoners in our state prison system, which is just that's crazy. Um, we've never seen anything like it. Just this week, a big topic up here in Snohomish County is, it wasn't the sheriff's office or the prosecutor's office, but they let a guy out of our jail that was in there for a vehicular assault charge. And he ends up just last week going down to the county south of us, King County, and killing somebody uh, in another vehicular homicide case. Um, he was let out due to COVID-19 restrictions by a judge in our county. That's just I, I don't know what's going on anymore, George. That is crazy, and that and that. Uh, that man should still be alive today, and that person who did that should still be in jail. Yeah, it, you know we're seeing that. We've seen we've seen situations like that in, uh, in other uh, parts of the country. Uh, so we release people uh, from jail uh, because we don't want them to catch uh, the the virus. But on the other hand, uh, you know, law abiding citizens are supposed to stay home. And almost confined because uh, they might have the virus, or because uh, they uh, they don't want them to catch the virus. I mean, it makes no sense to to us. So, what what uh, you know what what uh, recourses? What are you, what are you looking at at this point uh, with this uh, uh, political assault? I'll call it that. This the, this this political assault on you. I mean, how are you handling it? Uh, what uh, what can be done to uh, support you and help you? I'm in this for the long haul because our state law allows for six months for signature gathering. It's based on the turnout in the last election. So what that means for me is if this group, if the petitioner can get, it's a little over 44,000 signatures, and we're in a county of about 815,000 people, so we're a fairly large county. If she can get that, it will actually go to a recall election. Probably the earliest I could imagine is early 2021 because it has to be a special election. So basically, I'm kind of, unfortunately, I didn't expect to be in campaign mode, right, yet, uh, but I'm kind of going there. Uh, I've got a website up and running, and we are looking for donations. We're looking for support, whether it's local to Snohomish County or across the, the country. I've had people reach out from as far away as Cleveland, Ohio, with, with support. It's been fantastic. So, yeah, we're raising money. we got a website up and running, and then we kind of, and then I'm going to kind of wait and see if we think she's going to be able to get those signatures or not. If she is, it's it's going to be another election for me, a recall election. Wow, you know, for, uh, from the, from uh, us sitting down here in Texas, uh, we we have a difficult time sometimes understanding the Great Northwest, uh, Washington and Oregon's <laughs> uh, liberalism. <laughs> and I have a difficult time understanding it sometimes. 
<laughs> so we're, you know, from our perspective, I mean, uh, the county, Snohomish County, I mean, uh, is it uh, is it pretty liberal? I mean, is it or is it uh, conservative? Or how do you think uh, things may turn out for you? Is it going to be a battle? This is actually pretty interesting. So we are one county north of the city of Seattle. So Seattle's not in our county, but I can drive 20 minutes to the south, and I'm in downtown Seattle. So nationwide, people have seen the the, and this is not an understatement statement, the absolute chaos in Seattle with their approach to crime. Yes, we have seen that. Yes. Yeah, I spent the last year of my life saying, let's keep Seattle in Seattle and make a bright line when you cross the Snohomish County line. And it was a tough-on-crime message. Uh, and, and the people bought off it. I beat the incumbent sheriff overwhelmingly by 10 points. Um, I think the people in our community uh, want that message. So I would say that our region is very liberal, yes, but there's, there's also a lot of common-sense folks uh, that are still okay with a tough-on-crime message in Snohomish County. I would not say that to the county to the south where Seattle's at. Um, it's just it's absolute chaos down there. But our county, it's, I would say it definitely leans blue, leans liberal, um, but we have elections go either way all the time. So I'm a fairly conservative sheriff. I've not been shy about that in a leaning liberal county, but I try to keep, you know, public safety impacts everybody. And I keep, it, it doesn't matter, Republican, Democrat, liberal, or conservative. Um, and then I would say the same thing about constitutional rights. When I spoke out in favor of constitutional rights, or maybe questioning the governor and what he was doing, it was on behalf of all Snohomish County citizens. It was not a political issue for me, but it clearly has become one. Wow. Sheriff, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Um, uh, once again, tell the folks where your website is and how, how they can uh, support you and, and, uh, and uh, donate to your, to your efforts. Yeah, you bet. It's, uh, it's pretty easy. It's Defend Sheriff Fortney. And that's F-O-R-T-N-E-Y dot com. That's where we're trying to raise the money from. And that's, uh, that's up and running now. And on Facebook, you can reach me at Snohomish County Sheriff Adam Fortney. And you can get, there's a whole bunch of stuff that if you want to read about what's been going on up here, it's all there. So, Wow. Sheriff, thank you very, very much. More than anything else, thank you for uh, not only protecting people, but for protecting our rights. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, one thing is to uh, keep, a, a robber or a uh, murderer from from uh, jumping on you. Another thing is to keep the government from jumping on you. And uh, I really, really thank you for that, Sheriff. You betcha. Thanks for all you're doing. We really appreciate it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. We've been talking with uh, Sheriff Adam Fortney from uh, Snohomish County, uh, Washington. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio the answer. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got a very special guest, Dr. Jeffrey Atticut from the from St. Mary's University's uh, Warrior Defense Project uh, here in San Antonio. And uh, Dr. Atticut is a renowned and well-renowned expert on uh, on uh, terrorism. And I wanted to get him on because uh, I'd like for him to chat with us about this situation recently of the terrorist attack on the naval base in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, we had, uh, we've had another one in Pensacola. What is going on? Are we uh, letting the, our guard down? Welcome to the show, Dr. Attica. Tell us, what is going on? Well, it's uh, 
you know, we're still at war. The war on terror is still ongoing. We're coming up on the 20th year mark, and these are some of the uh, the ripples in the pool from the war on terror. Uh, you know, just to recap things a bit, we uh, were attacked on 9-11 unprovoked. Uh, President Bush uh, launched a, a counterstroke and self-defense against the uh, al-Qaeda training camps in Afghanistan, the Taliban, and we drove them out of power very quickly. And then, of course, the war kind of moved over, kind of expanded to Iraq. And uh, by the time President Trump came into office, we had a, another radical Islamic terror group called ISIS that had been uh, fully entrenched geographically in Iraq and Syria. And President Trump, of course, uh, changed our policy. Our policy before that was kind of, uh, you know, low-level type of uh, drone attacks here and there, trying to search for the needle in the haystack. President Trump decided we're going to burn the haystack down, and that's what he did with ISIS. He displaced them geographically, and by at the end of 2017, they were obliterated geographically from the face of the earth, so they had to go underground like al-Qaeda. And so now that group, al-Qaeda, many of these other terror groups, uh, that are on the poison tree of radical Islam or underground, but they're still, you know, they're still there. Uh, so this attack is just another reminder that uh, they can influence uh, lone wolves to carry out their bidding. Now, when ISIS controlled uh, large swaths of the uh, of the land of the Middle East, they had a lot of individuals they inspired all over the world, in Europe, in this country, to commit terror attacks, and they would kill large numbers of people. But since ISIS has been destroyed by, uh, geographically destroyed by President Trump, they're no longer inspiring people to do these attacks. But once in a while, they do pop up. So this guy, Adam Salim al-Sahi, uh, al, uh, al who is from Syria, uh, was in our country, of course, uh, and uh, decided he didn't like the freedom, the blessings of this country, and wanted to kill people. Uh, and that's basically what drives radical Islam, is they reject these ideas of uh, tolerance, uh, freedom of religion, all the things we take for granted, and they want to kill anyone that doesn't think like they think. So they're still here, but uh, they're, they're clearly not as strong as they once were, but we, you know, we don't want to hit the slumber button on the alarm clock because uh, adherents of radical Islam, whether they pledge allegiance to ISIS or al-Qaeda, or uh, Hamas, or Hezbollah, or any of these other terror groups, uh, they're still around. Uh, they're not as strong as they once were, so the president took, of course, the right step to uh, destroy their headquarters, as it were, but they're, uh, they're underground, they're scattered, they're still amongst us. Now, one of the things that I really am, am uh, I really want to raise uh, with you is uh, this is the second attack uh, in a, in just a few months, one, the last one over in uh, in Pensacola, Florida, uh, of folks that have come into the country legally, both of these uh, attackers came into the country legally, and uh, do we need to, to tighten up our immigration, our our uh, uh, the the way that we allow people to come into the United States at this point? Well, there's no doubt we need to do that, and that's up to Congress to do those types of things. And as you know, we've had a Congress that's been totally, uh, you know, ambivalent, I guess I'll use that word, or uh, strongly yeah, that's a polite way to put it. <laughs> uh, they, they pose strong objections to anything that, that President Trump wants to do. And, of course, this is one of the first things that Trump, President Trump did is institute a travel ban, which they immediately challenged. It went up to the Supreme Court, and he won that Supreme Court uh, victory. And so, you know, it's just logical. If you're, you should bid people that come into this country, particularly if they have a religious belief that rejects our fundamental foundations of freedom of press, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Uh, I don't understand myself why you would allow people to come into the country that want to destroy the very basis that made this country a great nation. Uh, part two, why do they want to come here if they, you know, if they reject our, our values? Uh, now, not everybody, of course, that, uh, that pledges allegiance to those types of ideas of their religion is going to engage in terrorism, but the president was targeting those individuals that were more likely to engage in terrorist activities from hotbeds of, uh, of uh, countries around the world that had exhibited a pattern of supporting radical Islam. 
the vast majority of, of course, Islamic countries were not subject to the travel ban, but the hysteria from the media and other people on the left uh, was, you know, kind of want to drown all those things out. But yeah, we need to have a vetting process for any person that wants to come into our country. There's no right for people to come into America. Uh, you know, we have borders. We're a nation. Uh, and therefore, we need to be careful who we allow into the country. So I, I think this is just fundamental common sense. We definitely don't want people that's going to come in here and kill us. But we also, I think, would uh, want, to, want to reject uh, anyone that disagrees with our fundamental values of that are enshrined in our Bill of Rights. I mean, why in the world would you allow someone to come into your country that rejects the very basis for this country in the first place? And that's kind of a collateral issue, but that's always caused me to scratch my head uh, as to that policy. So so somebody that that would refuse to uh, to support the Constitution of the United States or and its principles uh, I mean, obviously, that's something that should be asked. But if uh, if they fundamentally reject that, then uh, why would we allow them to come into the United States, right? Yeah, I mean that's 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 exactly right. And uh, of course, many people, of course, when they when they come in here, they're not going to they're going to lie to you. They, oh, yeah, we support the Constitution. We support all these freedoms. But do they really? Same thing with terrorists. They're not going to say yes. We're coming into the country because we want to plot a terror attack. So a better vetting process needs to be done. You know, look at their Facebook accounts, look at different things, talk to relatives to see whether or not their words match the, the rhetoric that they're trying to tell us. Uh, again, this is not a, a brief against a particular religion or even Islam. There are many, many uh, Islamic uh, individuals in our military that are far more patriotic than some of the people that are born, been born and raised in this country. So it's just someone that rejects our fundamental values. I don't care what your religion is, but if your religion tells you that your, you know, our fundamental values should be rejected and replaced with a uh, theocracy or something, then you know, that person shouldn't be uh, allowed into the country, in my opinion. So uh, what do you think, uh, Dr. Attica, uh, going forward in this situation that we've got, uh, do we need to, I mean, what would you recommend to the to the president, if you had his ear right now, what would you recommend in this this situation with a second attack just having happened? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, the thing in Pensacola, we were you know we train foreign nationals. I've done this myself, and most of them are very you know grateful to be here. They're you know they're great allies, but obviously we need to uh, look at uh, again from top to bottom individuals that want to come in this country and. It's very tough for the president, as I indicated, because he has the authority to carry out the law, but he doesn't make the law. The law is made by the Congress. And right now, as everybody knows, I mean, we've got a Congress that uh, it's almost amazing. If, if this president says A, they want B. If he says B, they want A. <laughs> there's, there's, I mean, no one's perfect, but no one is wrong all the time. Right. I think we need more cooperation common sense. There was a time, again, when the political party out of power agreed that we need to have strong borders and, and vetting processes, but now it seems that they're taking an opposite approach. Uh, and, uh, you know, I guess it's just part of our political system where you have the political party out of power will uh, sometimes uh, act in ways that are counter to the best interests of this country. Of the whole country, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Any power, they'll do whatever they think they have to do, but uh, that's unfortunate. You know, so we'll just have to, you know, keep moving forward and hope common sense will prevail at some point. But, uh, you know, in a democracy, we can't protect everything all the time. Uh, you know, thank goodness we are much more prepared and all states uh, have adopted the slogan, see something, say something. So in terms of a terror attack, uh, you know, you see something suspicious, someone drops a big package somewhere, or they're wearing heavy undergarments uh, on a hot summer day, uh, they're acting strangely, you know, uh, notify somebody so we can do, we'll check it out. Uh, that's, you know, that's the front line of defense, I suppose. Yeah, the, uh, you know, this this situation, uh, do do you think uh, should there will be any more attacks like this? Do you expect any more? Uh, situations like this to, to, to happen? Yes, I mean, I'm surprised we haven't had more. 
and I attribute that again to the uh, brilliant leadership of President Trump in destroying ISIS. I mean, that has taken the wind out of the sail of radical Islam. If you look back at 2016, 2015, 2017, you'll see that their narrative was, you know, God's on our side, please come join us to kill people, and here's the evidence we've captured half of Syria, half of Iraq. Well, they can't say that anymore. He's all said that, and their leader has been killed by President Trump. So he's done tremendous work where he can, and, you know, it's been, it's been relatively logical and, and a lot easier with al-Qaeda because they were above the ground. They were targets to identify. Now they're below the ground, a lot harder job because now they're acting so clandestinely. As we all recall those videos, they were... You know, tanks and half-tracks waving the, the flag of radical Islam and, and cutting people's heads off and all those atrocious things. Well, they don't do that anymore. I mean, they're truly under the ground, so it's it's harder to confront an enemy that's unseen as opposed to one that's seen. So what well, we do, we can. So we've taken care of the seen part. We just need to you know keep our guard up for the unseen part. Right. Okay, so we want to thank uh, Dr. Atticut for being on today. And, um, uh, you know, he is a wealth of knowledge. Dr. Attica, is there anything else that you want to add? Uh, where can the people fi- follow you? How can they read more uh, about your writings? Um, uh, you know, you can Google the name, obviously, and the Internet, of course, has good and bad things in it. But, uh, uh, you know, I've got a, a new book out called Trump Judges, which is on Amazon. And it, uh, it looks at the, uh, the appointments uh, by President Trump of federal judges. We have, uh, you know, about 750 federal judges. He's already appointed 200, and he's got another 100 that he'll probably appoint before the uh, elections in November. That's had a, uh, uh, it's going to have, and it has had a tremendous shift in the, uh, the jurisprudence of the judicial branch and how they look at things. Obviously, he's an originalist. He's appointing people that are originalists that uh, want to protect the values that made this country what it is today. Once again, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer.